When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Law School of America Voting rights in the United States, specifically the enfranchisement and disenfranchisement of different groups, has been a moral and political issue throughout the United States history. Eligibility to vote in the United States is governed by the United States Constitution and by federal and state laws. Several constitutional amendments, the 15th, 19th, and 26th specifically, require that voting rights of U.S. citizens cannot be abridged on account of race, color, previous condition of servitude, sex, or age, 18 and older, the Constitution as originally written did not establish any such rights during 1787 to 1870, except that if a state permitted a person to vote for the most numerous branch of its state legislature, it was required to permit that person to vote in elections for members of the United States House of Representatives. In the absence of a specific federal law or constitutional provision, each state is given considerable discretion to establish qualifications for suffrage and candidacy within its own respective jurisdiction. In addition, states and lower-level jurisdictions establish election systems, such as at-large or single-member district elections for county councils or school boards. Beyond qualifications for suffrage, rules and regulations concerning voting, such as the poll tax, have been contested since the advent of Jim Crow laws and related provisions that indirectly disenfranchised racial minorities. A historic turning point was the 1964 Supreme Court case Reynolds v. Sims that ruled both houses of all state legislatures had to be based on electoral districts that were approximately equal in population size, under the one-man, one-vote principle. The Warren Court's decisions on two previous landmark cases, Baker v. Carr, 1962, and Westbury v. Sanders, 1964 also played a fundamental role in establishing the nationwide one-man, one-vote electoral system. Since the Voting Rights Act of 1965, the 24th Amendment, and related laws, voting rights have been legally considered an issue related to election systems. In 1972, the Burger Court ruled that state legislatures had to redistrict every 10 years based on census results. At that point, many had not redistricted for decades, often leading to a rural bias. In other cases, particularly for county or municipal elections, at-large voting has been repeatedly challenged when found to dilute the voting power of significant minorities in violation of the Voting Rights Act. In the early 20th century, numerous cities established small commission forms of government in the belief that better government could result from the suppression of ward politics. Commissioners were elected by the majority of voters, excluding candidates who could not afford large campaigns or who appealed to a minority. Generally the solution to such violations has been to adopt single-member districts, SMDs, but alternative election systems, such as limited voting or cumulative voting, have also been used since the late 20th century to correct for dilution of voting power and enable minorities to elect candidates of their choice. The District of Columbia and five major territories of the United States had one non-voting member each, in the United States House of Representatives, and no representation in the United States Senate. People in the U.S. territories cannot vote for President of the United States. People in the District of Columbia can vote for the President because of the 23rd Amendment. Background The right to vote is the foundation of any democracy. Chief Justice Earl Warren, for example, 
wrote in Reynolds v. Sims, 1964, the right to vote freely for the candidate of one's choice is of the essence of a democratic society, and any restrictions on that right strike at the heart of representative government. Undoubtedly, the right of suffrage is a fundamental matter in a free and democratic society. Especially since the right to exercise the franchise in a free and unimpaired manner is preservative of other basic civil and political rights, any alleged infringement of the right of citizens to vote must be carefully and meticulously scrutinized. Just as Hugo Black shared the same sentiment by stating in Westbury v. Sanders, 1964, no right is more precious in a free country than that of having a voice in the election of those who make the laws under which, as good citizens, we must live. Other rights, even the most basic, are illusory if the right to vote is undermined. In the 17th century 13 colonies, suffrage was often restricted by property qualifications or with a religious test. In 1660, Plymouth Colony restricted suffrage with a specified property qualification, and in 1671, Plymouth Colony restricted suffrage further to only Freeman Orthodox in the fundamentals of religion. Connecticut in mid-century also restricted suffrage with a specified property qualification and a religious test, and in Pennsylvania, the province of Carolina, and the colony of Rhode Island and Providence plantations voting rights were restricted to Christians only. Under the Duke's laws in colonial New York, suffrage did not require a religious test but was restricted to landholders. In Virginia, all white freemen were allowed to vote until suffrage was restricted temporarily to householders from 1655 to 1656 to freeholders from 1670 to 1676, and following the death of Nathaniel Bacon in 1676, to freeholders permanently. Quakers were not permitted to vote in Plymouth Colony or in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, and along with Baptists, were not permitted to vote in several other colonies as well, and Catholics were disenfranchised following the Glorious Revolution, 1688-1689, in Maryland, New York, Rhode Island, Carolina, and Virginia. In the 18th century 13 colonies, suffrage was restricted to white males with the following property qualifications. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Connecticut, an estate worth 40 shillings annually or 40 pounds of personal property. Delaware, 50 acres of land, 12 under cultivation, or 40 pounds of personal property. Georgia, 50 acres of land. Maryland, 50 acres of land and 40 pounds personal property. Massachusetts Bay, an estate worth 40 shillings annually or 40 pounds of personal property. New Hampshire, 50 pounds of personal property. New Jersey, 100 acres of land, or real estate or personal property 50 pounds. New York, 40 pounds of personal property or ownership of land. North Carolina, 50 acres of land. Pennsylvania, 50 acres of land or 50 pounds of personal property. Rhode Island and Providence Plantations, personal property worth 40 pounds or yielding 50 shillings annually. South Carolina, 100 acres of land on which taxes were paid, or a townhouse or lot worth 60 pounds on which taxes were paid, or payment of 10 shillings in taxes. Virginia, 50 acres of vacant land, 25 acres of cultivated land, and a house 12 feet by 12 feet, or a town lot and a house 12 feet by 12. The United States Constitution did not originally define who was eligible to vote, allowing each state to determine who was eligible. In the early history of the U.S., some states allowed only white male adult property owners to vote, while others either did not specify race, or specifically protected the rights of men of any race to vote. Freed slaves could vote in four states. Women were largely prohibited from voting, as were men without property. 
women could vote in New Jersey until 1807, provided they could meet the property requirement, and in some local jurisdictions in other northern states. Non-white Americans could also vote in these jurisdictions, provided they could meet the property requirement. Beginning around 1790, individual states began to reassess property ownership as a qualification for enfranchisement in favor of gender and race, with most states disenfranchising women and non-white men. By 1856, white men were allowed to vote in all states regardless of property ownership, although requirements for paying tax remained in five states. Several states, including Pennsylvania and New Jersey stripped the free black males of the right to vote in the same period. Four of the 15 post-Civil War constitutional amendments were ratified to extend voting rights to different groups of citizens. These extensions state that voting rights cannot be denied or abridged based on the following. Race, color, or previous condition of servitude, 15th Amendment, 1870. On account of sex, 19th Amendment, 1920. By reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax for federal elections, 24th Amendment, 1964. Who are 18 years of age or older, to vote, shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of age, 26th Amendment, 1971. Following the Reconstruction era until the culmination of the civil rights movement, Jim Crow laws such as literacy tests, poll taxes, and religious tests were some of the state and local laws used in various parts of the United States to deny immigrants, including legal ones and newly naturalized citizens, non-white citizens, Native Americans, and any other locally undesirable groups from exercising voting rights granted under the Constitution. Because of such state and local discriminatory practices, over time, the federal role in elections has increased, through amendments to the Constitution and enacted legislation. These reforms in the 19th and 20th centuries extended the franchise to non-whites, those who do not own property, women, and those 18 to 21 years old. Since the right to vote is not explicitly stated in the U.S. Constitution except in the above-referenced amendments, and only in reference to the fact that the franchise cannot be denied or abridged based solely on the aforementioned qualifications, the right to vote is perhaps better understood, in layman's terms, as only prohibiting certain forms of legal discrimination and establishing qualifications for suffrage. States may deny the right to vote for other reasons. For example, Many states require eligible citizens to register to vote a set number of days prior to the election in order to vote. More controversial restrictions include those laws that prohibit convicted felons from voting, even those who have served their sentences. Another example, seen in Bush v. Gore, are disputes as to what rules should apply in counting or recounting ballots. A state may choose to fill an office by means other than an election. For example, upon death or resignation of a legislator, the state may allow the affiliated political party to choose a replacement to hold office until the next scheduled election. Such an appointment is often affirmed by the governor. The Constitution, in Article V, Clause, Paragraph, 3, does state that no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. The Law School of America the content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America